Welcome everyone to Mentium Matters podcast, where we talk about leadership, life, and the transformative power of mentoring. I'm Megan Cummings-Kruger, and today we're going to share part two of our discussion with Toya Werkheiser, in which she shared a number of stories that demonstrated the result that can be achieved when we normalize conversations instead of avoiding them, such as initiating courageous conversations around the topic of race. I want to follow up a little more specifically on one of the challenges that you talked about. You know, you bring to this conversation your life experience as a Black woman who has succeeded in a corporate world, as well as being a leader of very diverse teams, very diverse, great diversity of thought across race, gender, generation, etc. Following the murder of George Floyd, as you navigated yourself and your people through this challenging time and all the racial conversations which uh, needed space to occur, I know from our discussions that part of that benefited from your ability to have courageous conversations, to say the things that people often don't want to say. It really, again, pulls to your authenticity and willingness to be vulnerable. And I think that's something that many people listening to this would really appreciate hearing, you know, what stories or what tips can you share for so many of us who are challenged in engaging in those courageous conversations? So one thing, yes, you're correct. I am a black woman. I'm an African-American woman. I've been that every day of my life. So (laughs) I definitely know what that experience is. When I think about courageous conversations and being willing to have those in corporate America. I I don't know. I mean, that's generous of you to say I've been successful. I am on a journey to be the best Toya I can be every day. I can say that. And a part of that, I, I definitely have to credit to following what I will call is some natural instinct for when is when is it appropriate to drive conversation around a topic and the right way to do that, right? So specific to race, there are places where I had to be really intentional. I I, I mean, I can, off the top of my head, I can think about five very distinct interactions that required the stepping away. And this gets to like approach, right? And some strategy for navigating stepping away from that situation rather than responding in the moment. And, you know, you want to apply the seek first to understand and these, and, and these tenants, you want to do that. So you step away and you think about it, you play it out and you say, all right, let's give some consideration to what this could have been or what this could be. Is it just ignorance in the way that you just, you absolutely had no idea. And in general, my approach has been this, there's an offense take the step back, give consideration, develop handful of talking points, schedule interaction with said person, one-on-one, it doesn't have to play out in front of people. When I have gone into those settings, I generally don't have, I don't, it's not my, this was when we were in the workplace, in the building. It's not my laptop. It's not a notebook. It's not a phone. It's nothing because I want, I want it to be Uh, understood that this is a personal interaction at this point, right? And it's just, you know, it's, it's for me, when I've done this, it has just been, listen, there's a thing that happened. And I just want to be sure that we are in a good place. Here's how I perceived it, but I'm not, it could be that you meant something totally different. So I just want us to talk about it. At the end of the day, you, you know, we can be in, 
better place, or we can agree to be cordial, but I just want us to have an opportunity to optimize our relationship here in the workplace. I'll, I've had great outcomes with that. I've had great outcomes with that. And so and in terms of approach, that's what's worked for me. People have different styles. People can say different things and get away with it. I've, I've been able to say some things in corporate America uh, with my teams and with others that it's your personal brand and how you show up as to how people interpret it, right? And so that has to be a consideration, but that's, that's kind of how, how I've approached some things. Very specifically during this pandemic though, I had, and, and Megan, I, I know this, this may feel like it runs long, but I feel like it's a really good story. So I had this experience, we're on a, on a call, several people from the company I work for, several people from another outside business or supplier, I'll say. And, you know, this, this sounds, it sounds bad, but it's why we're having this conversation because you have to start taking, normalizing conversation and stripping away what's taboo, right? That's how, that's where we're going to grow. So someone makes the, the, has, makes the comment or the statement, yeah, we can't let people off the plantation. You know, and I was the only African-American on the call. I had my camera on, on Zoom. So I had to like kind of gather myself quickly, right? I had to gather myself. It's, we, we get through the call. I immediately said protocol that I've established over time. I step away. I notify my direct manager that I want to make you aware of this so that if it comes back around to you, you'll know exactly what happened. And I set a meeting, quick 15-minute meeting with this outside um, company person and we just talked through it and she said you know I and the way I set it up is my mother other women in the world who've been victims of domestic violence if you say if I say my hair is naturally curly I have to beat my curls into submission to straighten it that might be offensive to a person who's a victim of domestic violence I've probably said that before mm-hmm. and it meant nothing right but in our world, we're really growing and evolving to be a bit more sensitive to a few things, right? And all that, the intention is to raise awareness, right? And so it's, it's an example, specifically where I applied said protocol and with good results, right? She apologized and she said, I will never say that again. It's, it's you know, it's something that has been just incorporated into people's vocabularies for years and years. And we're in a different place in the world. And I, and she said, I will never say it again. Yeah. So there's a, an example. There's an example. Whew, that's a heavy one. Sorry. It felt- no, I thank you so much for sharing that. And I was thinking it, it's so, it's so effective. First off, I love your own protocol. I feel like at times when uh, it, it can get emotional that maybe provides a little structure, you know, for how you want to handle the situation, but that you do have that conversation, which has always been uncomfortable and needs to not be uncomfortable and needs to be held again and again. And the other piece that came to my mind was there's so much ignorance at so many levels. I recently was watching a home show and they talked about where master bedroom came from. I had never thought of master bedroom being the master. It just never occurred to me. And so 
there's just so many levels of awareness that we all need to learn and, and right. care about for that respect. And I just love that story because it's such a great example where she didn't intend it that way. She is uh-huh. going to correct. And that is, and then also there's a little more trust, I imagine. You have those uncomfortable conversations, but mm-hmm. then I imagine there's more comfort afterwards. Most oh, yeah. not always. <laughs> but I can tell you that there's only one instance, and I've had many of these conversations. There's only one instance where I felt like we could have had better outcomes, mm-hmm. but we all have to arrive at that point on our own, right? I can't force the other person into this space of, you know what, I should consider it differently. We have to arrive there in our own time. And yeah. the right, they'll they'll have the right breakthrough moment. I hope, maybe not. And then they'll they'll come over, right? But and we're not striving for, I mean, this is not utopia. We don't want to be perfect. We just need to be able to have some civil interaction. We don't have to agree on everything. We just need to be civil. That's it. That's it. Yeah, but a lot of it also can come from that having intentional conversations uh, that just haven't been happening. And yeah, I think this is another good one. And it was one where I was very emotional, very emotional after uh, Mr. George Floyd's death. You know, we as African Americans, other persons of color, I'm sure, have similar experiences. Something happens in the world, it affects your community. You get up, you put on your mask. I mentioned the mask earlier. You put on your mask and you go into work, right? You just, you try to go through the motions. This particular day, I had one of those interactions with someone. It wasn't, it wasn't anything racial. It, it wasn't anything pointed. It was just like not kind, mm. not professional, inappropriate interaction. And it was on a day when I was barely holding my mask on, right? Like my mask had tears coming through it. So, because every time I thought about this, this gentleman who did not go home, I just was emotional. And so on that day, I thought about how many people were experiencing the same thing I was experiencing in that moment. And I had, it was early in in the morning, you know, it was just at the start of my day. And I made the decision that at least in the space that I have to operate in with my peers who know me and they know that I normalize conversation around things I'm passionate about, we need to address it differently. So I made the decision. I sit in a marketing department, so I was intentional about this. I sent an email to my peers and to my boss, at the time, Senior Vice President of Brand. And the title was Non-Christmas Card because it was a picture of my family. So biracial couple, blended family. We're a rainbow, a perfect, (laughs) beautiful rainbow, right? So I send it. And what I said to them in that email was that, you know, I'm sending this. I want you to look at this. This is my family. These are the people I love. And every day, Rob and I think about when we see these things on the news, we think about our children and what potentially, we're terrified at the thought of what potentially might befall them unjustly for no reason at all, right? And so I, I, I needed them to understand and the spirit of what I communicated is I'm not okay right now. And I had a rough call earlier. We have a long day ahead of us. I'm not okay. Many people like me are not okay. I'm struggling. And what I need from you is just to acknowledge that 
and I'll get better, we'll all get better, but we'll get better faster if we can kind of get through that together, right? And this is, I, you know, in the senior leadership team that I was on reporting into our, our manager, our senior VP there, seven of us, the VP, I'm the only African-American, and I sent the note and immediately I got phone calls and responses but also what it did was open the dialogue across our, our marketing organization because they th then said, can I send this to my team? I want them to, to be considerate of this and that people are struggling so that when they have their interactions, they think about this going into them. Um, it was a powerful moment. And I mean, I cried forever, of course, and I had to keep putting my mask back on. <laughs> But it was an impactful moment, right? Because here was an opportunity. Like I could have just said, I'm taking off the rest of the day. But instead I said, we are a healthcare company. We need to be okay with total well-being for the people who work here and considerate of that. And I chose to like just put it out there and it's not popular. I think it's becoming more popular to be that vulnerable, but it's not popular. Mm -hmm. um, it opened a lot of conversations. I think that's, I wanted to share that story because here's the opportunity to drive broader impact, to drive the conversation further, give it some legs and some tentacles. Absolutely. I'm so appreciative that you shared that. And yeah, I absolutely opened the door to conversation. And I guess this is going to be my quote podcast, but it, I kept thinking about Brene Brown's quote, that vulnerability is the birthplace of creativity. And yes. I think part of that is it is an act of courage to be vulnerable. And I think that's why it's so appreciated when it happens, but it's not always the norm. I think there's, again, greater appreciation for that mm -hmm. ability. All the research shows when you're vulnerable, there are so many assets as a leader, as well as as a company. Again, it's that win-win with the personal and the professional. But I think it's so powerful that to think in terms of the fact that sometimes when you're vulnerable, you are also speaking for others and you are also able to allow people, it's kind of like buying that Hallmark card. You don't have the words, but it's printed right there. <laughs> so if you can pass it on, someone's made that message, you know? And so I just love how you, you open the door to that conversation. And I'm sure it did continue to get passed on. It did. It definitely did. I appreciate you letting me share that one too. I know I'm, I'm kind of making us run long here, but I really appreciate it. I think it's impactful. And by the way, you have all the best quotes. So keep sharing them. We like <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I already warned you before we started this podcast, I warned you that I wanted to go as long, as long as you had time for, because uh, there's just so much that you can speak to. And because you are so wonderful in your courageous conversations, you are so authentic and you're willing to be vulnerable. And again, right now, that is such a gift for so many to really be validated, as you were saying earlier on, uh, that everyone is going through this. And so the next question I have for you, which also I have no doubt is going to resonate with the audience is because so many of us are going through these kinds of situations. You also, speaking of intentionality, you chose in the course of your career at one point to make a lateral move because you wanted to broaden your perspective. So would you share with us what that thought process was, but also what that experience was like? Because again, I think many are experiencing this or, you know, as we talk about the great resignation and figuring out where your unique ability is and how to best provide that, I think that's a value. No, that's a good one too. And it's one, when you think about who we are, 
we should always be growing, reflecting, adjusting course, right? Who you were when you were 21 and 35 are very different. Therefore, your needs are very different. And if we're always, we get in the habit of prioritizing our needs, these kind of things will become more natural, I think, for us. So for me, for me specifically, when I think about the time in my life when I was kind of at this inflection point or pivot, the consideration was for what is it that I'm looking for? And not necessarily in the role or function, you know, what department I'm going to sit in, but what is it that I'm looking for? And, you know, you, you start thinking about that, you prioritize what's important to you. You consider that I, I encourage sit down and think about what could that career path be? Because it could be many different things. Once upon a time, we all, we all thought of it as linear and just the rungs on the ladder. Mm -hmm. But now it can be many, many things. So at the time I had sat in a role that was in the, in a healthcare vertical in the company that I worked for. And this is a huge, a huge company, highly matrix organization. Like you literally could work there your entire life and never do the same or similar job necessarily. Right. So I thought about what the different paths could be for me that would all still be fulfilling. And ultimately, I had started this round of networking, you know, filling it out, having some exploratory informational interviews to see what's happening at different places in the company. While I was doing that, someone reached out that I had networked with previously, offered up the opportunity. And I was like, hmm, kind of feels like something I've done. It's a lot of the same category of work, but what's different? What are the boxes it checks for me? It extended my network. Naturally, it extended my network. It got me out of the vertical. And now I have this opportunity to think across the enterprise. Mm -hmm. The world we're in today, you should be an enterprise thinker, right? right? Across the enterprise. And it also allowed me to like really tighten my focus around some of the capabilities. There were some things I had done for a while that it's kind of like, I, I want to come away from that a little bit. And I really want to focus in on this thing. And it'll allow that for me. But at the time, I don't, I mean, while I would say, I would like to say, I knew it, it would do exactly this thing. It did. I, did, I can't say that I knew that, Megan. What I will say is that I'm in a position now where it didn't close off the prior path. That door was still open, but what it did do was create new pathways and not just one, right? So the seat I'm in today, which is now there are a couple of steps I've taken from that role. The seat I'm in today, I have new pathways multiple new pathways. And so the consideration for lateral just, and, and you, again, you have to weigh this, you have to weigh these things out. The impetus for making a move is different for all of us based on prioritizing our needs at that time. But when you, you start thinking about the why you're working where you work, how your everyday how of how of your work in today's world, where you work, do I have to go into an office or can I sit in my living room or in my kitchen or in the patio for that matter? And the salary or wages associated with that, you sit that alongside with the phase of your life you're in. I would say consider, consider the lateral move. That could open up so many other opportunities for you, things you probably have never even considered, never even considered. So it worked for me. And it's also why I think we're starting to see 
it started the great resignation and now we keep hearing the reshuffle. I think we're reshuffling because people are realizing that. I'm looking at the world I'm in today and I think that I would be happier if I was doing this thing. And so they're moving around and some of that could be lateral and it opens a lot of opportunities. That's the way I see it. Absolutely, absolutely. And of course, uh, when you're finding a better fit with your own unique abilities and interests, again, that also enhances the engagement. And so in the end, it can be a win-win, but it's just, a, there's a lot of cumulative stress right now for everyone. So the final question I have for you also speaks to your intentionality. And I need to tell the audience, uh, you are the mother of four children. And I remember a couple of years when I was talking to you, you had a plan for the empty nest. <laughs> Now, it didn't factor in a global pandemic, it must be said. Uh, you did not plan for that. But I do want to take advantage of the fact how uh, intentional you are being a mother for. I'm sure there's a, a story or a learning uh, you could share everyone with. Uh, certainly, you haven't had the youngsters that people have had during the pandemic, but what would you like to share to the parents today? And this is, wow, this is one... You know, we're all in such different places that I think what is most important, and I'll, I'm saying this to myself as, as, as I share, we have to give ourselves some grace, right? Mm -hmm. As parents, as parents, we're doing the best we can at that given moment in time with whatever's happening. And no one could have forecasted, predicted all of these things that would have piled up when we look back, the fact that we came through it and we're mostly okay, that's probably a win. That's probably like a major win. But we have to give ourselves the grace while we're in this space to just say, well, so today I did the best I can. I did all that I could. It's, I started at six, it ended at seven. I ordered pizza instead of cooking. It's okay. You know, it's, they ate today. They <laughs> Everyone had food today, right? So, I yeah. mean, we have to just kind of give ourselves some grace. There are tons of strategies that you can Google and, you know, meal order and prep plans and all of that. And all of those things are great. But ultimately, you know, to be okay with ourselves, we have to give ourselves some grace um, just to kind of get through it. And, and I think that's okay. I think that's okay. Our kids seeing our faces, our kids knowing that we're not they, they realize the world we're in. They're very smart. Children pick up on so much. It'll be okay. But we just have to give ourselves some grace. Extend ourselves some grace. Absolutely. Absolutely. When my girls were young, I do remember somebody telling me, with the self-talk, you can really do a number on yourself. And they said, mm -hmm. you're not a bad mom. You might have had a bad mom day. We'll give you that. <laughs> but you're That's not right. a bad mom. It's amazing what a difference. Yeah. What uh, giving grace giving yourself uh, a way to reframe it. Absolutely. All right. I want to end on the question I usually end on with all of my interviewees. And that is, I always love to hear, as you can tell, I love quotes and I'd love to hear uh, what is the most meaningful quote for you? So for me, Megan, it's a, it's a Bible verse. It's, a, it's my life verse. It's Philippians 1 and 6. Being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you shall complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So when I, I mean, it gives me chills and it's been my life first for a very long time. But on those days when I had a bad mom day, um, <laughs> I can be confident of this very thing. If there's a good work 
And all I have to do is prepare and show up. I'm not going to get it perfect. None of us are. But I, I can have the hope that these things will all work out. And it's on, it's on our little scratch board in the kitchen. Look, I'm at work and I'm saying the scratch board in the kitchen. But, um, you know, it's there. It's, it's an important one for me. And it kind of carries me when those bad mom days show up or whatever that challenge is. It, it kind of gets me through. And I, I appreciate you asking. I appreciate you asking. Thank you. Well, Toya, so appreciate, cannot thank you enough for not just your wisdom and insight, but really, truly your vulnerability. Uh, it is always a gift to others when you are open and transparent. I think you built a lot of people up today uh, through this podcast and just can't thank you enough for really demonstrating what comes from that intentionality that you have <laughs> a great deal of but also in combination with clarity of what your values are. So thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, thank you for having me. To close out, I just want to thank everyone for listening to this Mentee Matters podcast. We have a number of excellent guests like Toya lined up in the coming weeks. So please be sure to subscribe uh, so you don't miss any episodes. And for additional resources, you can find show notes on the Mentee website. We look forward to having you join us next time.